Hello, and welcome to Bridging the Gap, education through stories of adoption. My name is Ryan Anderson, and I have the honor of being the host of this podcast. Our mission is to educate people through stories of adoption. I often have conversations about adoption and hear people say something like, I just don't know enough about it. We hope to educate each other through both stories of adoption and interviews with some educated friends on the matter. We love adoption, we love the orphan, and we hope to extend the same passion to you. An important announcement before we begin. If you have a story of adoption, have worked with any agencies regarding adoption, foster care, or the orphan crisis, or you know of someone with a story, we want to hear from you. Please email us at sharemyadoptionstory at gmail.com with your interest and we'll respond as quickly as we're able. And now, to introduce our guest for today's podcast, please join me in welcoming Lauren Hayes. Welcome to the show. Thank you. All right, Lauren. Well, I've gotten to hear a little bit of your story outside of uh, the mic, but tell us your story. Okay, yeah. So um, my story with adoption starts before I was born. Um, My parents uh, got married in 1990, and they uh, went through infertility for, um, Mm. well, about seven years. But after four years, they decided they wanted to have a family and have kids. So um, it's really a God story how it happened, but very long story short, my parents went to church on a Sunday, drove to the hospital from there and picked up my older sister, Kayla. And so that was a domestic adoption in New Jersey and a very similar story. She was seven hours old and a very similar story happened with my brother. And he was about a week old when my parents adopted him. And it was basically only God could have orchestrated it. Um, and then, so just for our listeners, yeah. maybe we can start with, Sure. tell us how many kids are in your family. <laughs> sure. So there's uh, 13. So Baker's dozen. Um, I'm one of 13. So I have 12 siblings. Okay. And how many of those are adopted versus biological? Eight of them were adopted. So eight adopted kids. Wow. That's some really <laughs> special parents. Uh, and so maybe quickly just tell us um, where those adopted siblings are from. Sure. So the older two, like I said, are adopted from New Jersey. And then Christian's adopted from Guatemala. Um, Wyatt, Hudson, and Sophie are adopted from China. In between Hudson and Sophie, Kiera is, um, was adopted from Albania. And then the youngest is Valentina, and she's adopted from Bulgaria. Okay, I hope you caught that, listeners. Huh? <laughs> maybe maybe rewind a, a couple of times. But anyway, all to say, eight. Uh, her parents have adopted eight kids. And so anyway, continue with the story. Okay. So then in 97, after seven years of infertility, my parents had me. And then um, then they had my brother Connor my, and my sister Megan and Emily. So four bio kids. Um, my mom then had two miscarriages, although it was a super sad mm-hmm. way to end a family. And so it was then that my parents would tell you that there was a shift in their thinking about adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, before, they would have told you that, and they'll tell you this now, that they adopted my older two siblings to grow their family. Um, after um, the miscarriages, though, um, they started seeing adoption as a way um, to rescue an orphan and not just to grow their family. Like, we didn't need any more kids, you know? Yeah. Um, so we adopted Christian from... Uh, Guatemala and he was nine months old and then uh, right before my parents left my mom found out she was pregnant with Juliana okay. and she's the youngest bio kid 
So, um, and then, goodness, a couple years later, um, I had a heart for kids in China and just orphans in China. Started praying my parents would adopt from there. And um, we ended up adopting um, Wyatt. And he came home in 2013. And um, then shortly after, in 2015, we brought Hudson home from China. And um, both of them, so Christian from Guatemala does not have any special needs. Wyatt and Hudson both do. We thought that Wyatt had uh, cerebral palsy. Um, He doesn't. He actually has spina bifida and um, a leg length discrepancy. But... Um, other than that, he's about the brightest kid I know. <laughs> and um, Hudson has hemiplegia. Um, so essentially, they think that he had um, a stroke at birth. Um, so that it affects him a lot, um, even physically. Um, so the one side of his body, he is a lot weaker. And um, he's learned to run and walk. Um, but his hand is pretty immobile, um, and he functions a lot differently than most kids. Um, and then, goodness, a couple of years after, or no, it was the next year, it was 2016, maybe in a couple of years, um, we, my younger sister really felt a burden that we would adopt from Albania, but there was a little girl that we had found on a waiting child list. Okay. And uh, her name was Kira, and she has Down syndrome. My parents were pretty nervous about that. My sister actually posted pictures and posters around the house with inspirational quotes and pictures. And uh, I would say, like, all of the adoptions have very much been uh, kind of sibling-led, so to speak. All of us siblings have kind of, like, pushed my parents for it. Um, And that was my younger sister with Kira from Albania. Um, and so she has Down syndrome. We had to move to Albania, the whole family, except for my older two siblings. And we lived there for like six and a half weeks, um, in the country. We rented a, an apartment and we got to visit Kiara every day. The adoption process there is a lot different than in China, um, where they just hand you, um, your child or your baby and walk out and you're kind of traumatizing and but in Albania they do it quite differently where you visit each and every day uh, for a couple hours in the morning and a couple hours in the afternoon and eventually um, you get to bring um, your child back to where you're staying and just integrate them into your family very slowly Mm -hmm. Um, and they um, they you know they keep tabs on how that's going and how how she was doing and Eventually, everything was finalized with the court, and we were able to bring her home. And then in 2019, um, that was our last and latest adoption, um, we brought home um, Valentina from Bulgaria. And, uh, yeah. Wow, that is a lot there. Um, (laughs) What organization uh, have your parents used? I'm sure they've used a couple different ones at this point, but what organizations have they they used so far to... Yeah. So with, yeah. So I know with Christian, I don't think though he's from Guatemala. Um, and that was in 2007. I don't believe that organization's around any longer. It was not Hague affiliated. Um, I know that. And so I don't think they even exist any longer. Um, with Wyatt and Hudson and Kiera, 
They we all we went through um, Bethany Christian Services. Okay. Yeah, and I don't remember for Sophie and Valentina. <laughs> okay, so um, remind me of the last adoption. Her name. Valentina. Valentina, the one before that. Kiera. Kiera. So yeah. Kiera has uh, Down syndrome. Yeah. And um, you know, in in many ways, there's sort of a uh, a false. Um, understanding of our friends who have Down syndrome and this sort of hesitation um, in many ways to move forward uh, in adoption. Um, I, uh, one of my favorite people in the world, his name is Arlo. Um, I think he, I think he just turned two years old. I may be wrong, um, but he brings joy to the world like I've never experienced. And anyway, I want to give you a chance to. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about uh, the joys of having Kiara, because that's her name, right, mm-hmm. in your family. Um, and maybe, you know, give a little uh, exhortation to our listeners to say, like, you know, if you want to experience real joy, first know Jesus, second adopt the baby with Down syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's that's the biggest truth I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Kiara is, wow, she brings so much uh, life and joy to our family. And like I said earlier, my parents were pretty hesitant about mm-hmm. that at first. They were like most people probably yeah. and just didn't know what that would look like. And so they really educated themselves. And um, But I would say you you can't fully understand it until and the joy of it until you've experienced um, someone who has Down syndrome. And it's truly, it's honestly a gift to the world. And mm-hmm. um, she is a gift to our family. And Honestly, she, it might sound crazy, but she's probably the easiest kid in a lot of respects. (laughs) (laughs) And she is so bright and um, understands so much and she's learning and growing. And um, yeah, I would say if there's any fear involved that just know that like your life will be immensely blessed. Like, yeah, it's not always going to be easy and there's going to be challenges a hundred percent. But um, ultimately, I'd say you're going to be even more blessed than they will um, by bringing um, a child with Down syndrome into your family. No doubt about it. I haven't yet experienced it uh, in my own family, but I hope to um, participate in that joy, you know, in the future. I think it's so special. And, uh, you know, I, I show people pictures of Arlo all the time. Um, because he, you know, he's, if I need a smile, I just think of Arlo. And, uh, you know, World Down Syndrome Day was just a couple weeks ago. Uh, I think I, March, maybe 14th. Uh, I can't remember. I guess I could just look it up. And anyway, maybe I can just encourage our our listeners uh, today that, you know, like, in many ways there is a, an unfortunate stigma uh, in this conversation, which makes navigating a bit harder. Um, and sometimes we don't have the language to, uh, we don't have the language to, you know, talk in a dignified way about our friends with Down syndrome. Um, and so that, that presents this conversation as a challenging one, but it, sh- it just shouldn't be all that challenging. Mm-hmm. They're made in the image of God, specially crafted by his hand, along with each of us. And uh, man, there's just a really unfortunate stigma. And so I'm glad that Kiara has helped to break that, um, and, and you know I wish I, I wish I could meet her, 
but talk maybe talk me through. You had mentioned that uh, some of your siblings, um, I think two of them, Hudson and I forget the other one's name. Wyatt. Hudson and Wyatt uh, have some special needs. Talk me through uh, what that process has been like for your family uh, in adjusting to those, especially there's 13 kids around. Um, and so, you know, one uh, one young child with special needs is a lot of work regardless uh, on top of 12 other kiddos. Talk me through what that looked like. Yeah, so uh, Wyatt, like I said, was our first um Adoption with special needs. So my older brother does have uh, special needs as well, but our first international um, adoption with special needs was Wyatt. And um, yeah, so on his um, file, it said that he had cerebral palsy. So my parents, um, you know, again, educated themselves and decided that they would be willing to do this. So they get to China and they have him evaluated there and then also back in the States and um, find out that he does not have cerebral palsy, but he does have spina bifida. Um, so he essentially has kind of a mass on his back, and um, it can it, it can manifest itself in different ways. But mm-hmm. thankfully, it it hasn't um, affected him at all. Um, but he does also have a leg length discrepancy, and that has uh, been lots of trips to the hospital uh, for. He constantly needs new braces and um, mm. just, uh, you know, a, like basically a big block under his shoe that they specially fit so that he's at the same same yeah. level as his other foot. And um, honestly, my mom would probably tell you she lives at the hospital, uh, and she does as far as surgeries um, and for Wyatt and um, just the other medical procedures for the kiddos. So that's Wyatt. Uh, Hudson... Um, he basically, we got uh, like MRI scans and he essentially, last time we saw them, uh, this is right before he was adopted, um, he it, basically he was missing half of his brain. And um, this is Hudson? This is Hudson, yeah. So with the hemiplegia and also Sophia's hemiplegia, I just forgot to mention that. They, it manifests itself very differently in the two of them, but... Um, yeah, something else that that brings along with it, not only physically, but um, emotionally, I guess you could say, is that um, in my family, we call it blast outs, but essentially it's a trauma-induced temper tra- tantrum. Mm. And uh, on a given day, they will go back and forth. And uh, it's a lot of noise, and there's not a whole lot of ways to console them. Um, with the brain injury, it's, it's really hard to get through to them and uh, you just basically have to be there and uh, protect them and make sure they're they're safe and um, you know try your best to calm them down but they'll go back and forth Sophie will have one in the morning and Hudson will have one in the afternoon and uh, it's it's tricky to navigate so not only is there the that medical side like at the hospital with the surgeries and braces and things for Wyatt um, but on the emotional level, uh, with Hudson and Sophie, there's there's that other piece. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, that is that's hard. Um, but uh, as I've had conversations many times before, even on the mic and off the mic, just because something's hard doesn't mean it isn't exceedingly rewarding. 
Uh, and I'm sure if mom and dad were here today, they would echo that message to for the world to hear. Is this hard? No doubt about it. Am I tired when I hit the, you know, hit the hay every night? Exceedingly tired, uh, but I'm also exceedingly joyful. Um, and and I, I am one to believe that uh, the reason that those moments are exceedingly joyful is because we're participating in the very mission of God, uh, participating in the very work of God to rescue people. And and so, anyway, that's beautiful. Um, and, and so, you know, other than the challenges already mentioned, uh, maybe, you know, what is like the biggest thing that sticks out as challenging, maybe even for you as, you know, you had two siblings that were adopted older than you, and you're the oldest biological child, if I remember correctly. And uh, many, much of the science says, don't do that. Like, you'll break out the family structure. Don't don't adopt, um, you know, kids that are, are older than your oldest. Or, or don't break out the family structure. Don't break, break up the, the whatever. You, you, you see what I'm getting at mm-hmm. here. And uh, whether or not I agree with those studies is a different conversation. But I'm wondering for you, maybe what were some of the challenges for you? Yeah, um, I think probably one of the biggest challenges as far as having two older siblings who were adopted would be um, my older brother having special needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's on the autistic spectrum. Okay. And um, I think there was always that part of me that wanted, like, that big older brother that was protective and just was fun. And um, honestly, we didn't get along growing up. Um, and so I think that that challenge of, of uh, having an older brother with special needs was tricky. Um, but... I would say with the other kiddos who are younger than me, I think a challenge that I face as well as um, primarily my two uh, younger biological sisters is that um, because there's such an age gap between um, us and our little siblings, it's very easy with um, when they come home and the attachment process for them to attach to us as yeah. like the primary caregiver. So that's been a challenge of learning to step back and let mom be mom. Yeah, that's good. I didn't even think about that, uh, you know, because uh, that is a, a normal struggle for uh, kids who are adopted is uh, struggles with attachment um, in many ways. So, yeah, thanks for sharing that. And, uh, you know, this story is encouraging to me um, and, and I hope it's been encouraging for for people who are listening so far, and 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 maybe, uh, you know, I'm sure that your parents are gonna listen to this podcast. I hope they do, and so maybe maybe I'll just give you the opportunity to, to like acknowledge a couple things that you've learned from your parents, as they have said, you know, while well, the story started off with some really hard things like struggling with infertility, to like really experiencing the joy of the Lord, uh, but also some still hardships special needs adoption. You know, I'm sure there's so many, you know, rinks that uh, I don't even know about. Um, as with every single adoption, there always is. And so maybe just give you a, a chance to to acknowledge some of those things that you've learned from from mom and dad as you consider as you consider taking care of the orphan for a lifetime. Yeah. Um, I think there's so many things that I uh, look up to about my parents. And um Honestly, they're my greatest role models. My mom's my best friend. And uh, I would say 
one of the things that they have taught me, and I think they've experienced it a little more, um, being the parents of adopted children, but that the that it brings the gospel to life so much um, with, you know, it's a common theme people say, but if you talk to anyone who's adopted, they will tell you truly the gospel has come to life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it, it has increased their um, understanding of how God's adopted them. And um, I think something else that has been huge is just seeing my parents' sacrificial lifestyle yeah. and that it's, they have not, they have not once made life about themselves. And honestly, there's a lot of times it would have been way easier not to say yes. And, um, but I cannot imagine if we didn't. Like, I cannot imagine my life without any of my siblings. They are truly the greatest joys in my life. And um, they have helped me to learn my parents and my siblings to learn how to appreciate people with special needs, people of different cultures. And, um, yeah, I, I can't say enough about my parents and how much I respect them for, yeah, really laying down, you know, what it looks like for them to be empty nesters. That's going to be a long time. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And they're always, and not only will they have kids in the house, but kids with special needs and what that's going to look like. That's excellent. Yeah, it, there is something seriously sacrificial about it. And, um, you know, I just think of all the people who I know, uh, even the many stories we've already had on this podcast, but, you know, my best friends in the world who, you know, have adopted so many kids. Uh, and I just, I think often, often about uh, the sacrifices that they have made in order that, you know, kids in horrible institutions uh, around the world would have a chance uh, not only to just live as they ought to live uh, with dignity and respect and care, but also the chance to meet Jesus. Uh, And that's just the most special thing about this process. And, you know, let me just be very clear. We're not adopting because we are saviors. We're adopting because our Savior has called us to, and we want them to meet their Savior. And, you know, there's so much, so many more things that happen there uh, other than that. But fundamentally, foundationally, uh, if we're serious about the gospel, let me, you know, preface this bold claim, but if we're serious about the gospel, we're serious about considering the orphan and those in foster care um, and, and those seeking adoption all around the world. And, um, you know, I'm not familiar right now with the statistics about it, but I'm sure that there is a staggering number of kids, especially with special needs, but also with Down syndrome, um, especially considering the serious stigma in Europe uh, regarding kiddos with Down syndrome. And so, yeah, I am I'm really encouraged. I'm really encouraged by the Haynes family and what they've done to really participate in God's miracle work of uh, adoption on this side of heaven. And, uh, you know, there's uh, 13 kids who have an experience of Jesus unlike they would have had otherwise. And and really, um, if we want kids to, if we want our children and the next generation to experience lasting faith, uh, 
for a lifetime, then we are serious about showing them what a life of sacrifice looks like. Because uh, that's really what the Christian life is. And, uh, and not all sacrifices have to die, but they all have to cost something. And so I'm just really encouraged by the story. And, um, and I hope our listeners are encouraged as well. And so uh, one of the questions I always ask just to kind of end is, if someone was thinking about adoption today, what would you tell them? I would say um, that's a that's a big question. Um, I would say that there is a quote, and I believe it's by David Platt. Oh yeah, yeah. We've said it on the podcast before. But go ahead. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> that basically, why like there, you know, or maybe it's Francis Chan. Either way, why not pursue adoption unless God says no? Versus not pursue it and wait till you hear some voice of God mm. to say yes. Because, you know, in James one twenty seven, like, it says to look after them, you know, to visit them. And it's not that adoption is a very tangible way of doing that. And, like, over and over in Scripture, you see God's heart for adoption. And like you said earlier, like, it with adoption, you're participating in God's plan for the orphan. And um, I think I would also say... Educate yourself as hard as it is, because when you see the pictures and you understand the reality of what a lot of orphanages are like, you you will see that there's really, like, that's really, like, the option, you know? And, um, and yeah, I think when you experience it and you see it for yourself, you'll really... Um, yeah, really understand that the need that there is, and um, yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah, that's awesome, and and I think we need to uh, take that to heart. Why not consider it? You know, if God is not saying no, uh, there's a need and a massive need, and uh, we need believers. There's no more right mission field in my mind. Uh, we need believers to step up and say, God, I'm going to participate in your work of adoption. I'll go where you go, I'll follow where you lead, and I'll sacrifice what you tell me to give. Well, that is all we have time for today. Uh, thank you to our guest, Lauren, for joining us on Bridging the Gap and for sharing with us your insights and stories. At the begin- As I mentioned at the beginning of our show, we would love to hear from you. If you have a story that you would like to share, please email us at sharemyadoptionstory at gmail.com. If you have any questions about anything we talked about today, please reach out. And last, would you help honor God's faithfulness in Lauren's and the Haynes family's story by sharing this episode on social media, talking with your friends, or even on your dorm floor, and maybe in your church community. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Bridging the Gap.